Hello and welcome to Talking Bottom. This is episode Parade, which is four of series two. I'm Ange Johnson. I'm Matt Brooks. And I'm Paul Tanter. This wouldn't be an episode that you'd send to anyone as a favourite episode or anything, is it? I don't know. I Well, I wouldn't say that. I'd say it's a very strong one, but it was, it's not an introductory episode by yeah. any means. Well, no, because it's the only one so far that has taken place outside of the confines of the flat completely. Yeah. This is from what I could... Yeah, you're right. There's no flat in this at all. This is, from what I could work out, one of three that takes place outside of the flat where we never see the flat at all. All right then, so let's try and get get this right. So the other ones are Sout and... Is Hull the one where they're up the first one? Yeah. Yeah. So the other ones are Sout and Hull. Yeah. So the other ones are uh, Boring and an episode of New Statesman. I was going to say, this does feel a lot different to a typical bottom episode in terms of just the sheer size of cast that we have. Yeah, mm-hmm. biggest also, cast. Also the amount of new locations we go to. That might be one of the reasons why we're never in the flat. Logistically, it may just have been impossible for them to have had the flat set operating mm-hmm. that week. Where would we- it have fit in, in the story, in the flat as well, them getting a phone call, do you want to come to a police line yeah. That's mm-hmm. superfluous, so... Yeah. But it's interesting that this one takes place entirely outside of the flat. Richie and Eddie never usually fit into society... We never usually see them in society. They're a pair of outcasts. Eddie, you get the impression, is the one who can kind of pass a bit more as a normal person. But in this one, we see them actually out amongst people and in some ways kind of being accepted by people. Mm, you yeah, know? and this feels like the one where they were trying to introduce the universe a bit more yeah. and widen it. We've already met Spud Gunn and sure. Dave, but then you're meeting his mum and then it is quite literally a parade of other yeah. characters, isn't yeah. it? That either get screen time yeah. or are mentioned at the very least. Well, yeah. this is the second appearance of Spud Gunn and Dave mm. Hedgehog. I believe they are the first returning characters, right? Yeah. Anyone want to... Yeah, correct that. So, yeah. Apart from Richie and Eddie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. And so much so that he even gives a full introduction. Oh, it's Spud Gun and Little Dave Hedgehog, which is really a kind of um, reminder for the audience. This episode starts with them being led into the police station by a police constable, who I believe is the first black character we ever see in Bottom. Mm. I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they don't have many minorities in in the show, but yeah, it's it's of its time, I guess. I'm not claiming any racism at all it's just yeah. I, I think it's quite the opposite actually to, I think it's purposeful that they've included a black guy as one of the coppers because obviously it would be more unusual to have yeah. that I think it was purposeful interesting though also called Jenkins yeah second copper by the name of <laughs> Jenkins yeah you know it sounds like a copper's name doesn't it now eight quid wasn't a lot of money back then even that's no. they're so excited they're so happy so they've been given eight quid each to uh, appear in this police lineup. Well, that's why they're doing it, isn't it? I mean, yeah, not Richie, for any civic sense of duty or anything. No, Richie says because they're responsible citizens, but it's for the eight quid, and the same goes yeah. for when you used to get paid for your blood donations mm. as well. I don't know if we ever did get paid in this country. It's an American mm. thing. No, I think we did. Did we? I have given blood once mm. and didn't get paid. I got a free biscuit. Yeah, I think it went out quite a long time yeah. ago. Mm. Do you want to do the synopsis? Richie and Eddie are taken to the police station to take part in an identity parade. In the evening, they head for the pub where they bump into an old comrade and also overhear a hot tip for the races, but have no cash. So yeah. who's their old comrade? That, right, is that well, Chris Langham? Well, it says an old comrade, so it means Robert Llewellyn in that yeah. instance, as in an, an old veteran. Okay. This feels like, for Richie and Eddie, the nearest we were ever going to see them to actual work. This is what they do <laughs> to earn money. It is yeah. them earning money? You're right. We yeah. never see a get-rich scheme of theirs that works. They don't get rich from this, but they do something. They get paid for yeah. it. This yeah. episode is definitely about them trying to get money. Various ways. It obviously sets it up very succinctly at the start that this is what they're there for. Talking about giving blood as well, there's a joke that Eddie says he's 90% proof. Now, do you think Eddie is mucking about and joking with a police officer or in the world... Is his blood actually that? I think, I think in that alternate universe, Hammersmith, Eddie's blood is like mm. rocket fuel. I think he's been sincere. Yeah. So, yeah, Sarsons are interested in his organs <laughs> and the brewery are interested in his blood. In theatre, there's a thing called Chekhov's gun. Yes. And did you notice in the very first scene when the police officer walks in introducing Richie and Eddie into the room, he's already holding that truncheon? Okay. Mm. Uh, I can't I, say I did notice it, no. I remember watching that, thinking he's holding a truncheon. Mm. Before this scene ends, he's going to whack one of them, and he doesn't, obviously. Okay, but and it's in the... It, 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 sort of, it sort of bookends the episode. 
He yeah. walks in holding it at the beginning, and at the end he whacks one of them around the head with it. It's a, it's a common trait of Richie to just sell out all of his morals, and he does hate the police. Yeah. He's, he's complained about them several times, but he's a smarmy little teacher's pet <laughs> here, isn't he? He has to put himself in a position of authority amongst all these other people who are the exact same status as him. They're yeah. just line-up people. He has no authority there, but it's, it's what he's yeah. like, isn't it? He can't wait to lord it over the criminals that are going to be brought in, waiting for yeah. the moment that he can gloat and yeah, he make out like they're lesser than him. Yes, good police work, good, good. Oh, yes, I was looking for your approval, Mr. Mm. Nobody. Is that Donald Trump-like need to have everyone think that you know what you're talking about when yeah. actually you have no authority and no knowledge? Which one's the criminal? Uh, it's the and he's not even listening to the <laughs> that one. Oh, I wasn't yeah. listening. I'm sorry. Already making his judgment. I think Richie has a genuine personality disorder. <laughs> some kind. <laughs> well, his symptoms, you know, he's Would a he fantasist. He's got delusions of grandeur. He's got massive mood swings. Are they a pair yeah. of sociopaths? I, I don't I, think they're intelligent enough to no, be that's right. classed as as psychopaths. M- or most psychopaths are, are hyper intelligent. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But so I wouldn't actually put them in that box. Borderline personality mm. disorder I'm going to go with. Someone like that, where they just don't really live in the real world. Mm. and they're depressed. Yeah. Sure. And they're most, almost certainly... I don't know if Eddie is depressed. Oh, he drinks a lot. He's an alcoholic, he? but he's always having a fun time, isn't do, he? Do you think he's drinking because inside he's, he's hurting? He's so happy <laughs> to be living with Richie and have nothing else to do other than to stand with the rest of the criminals. Great setup this episode to the cartoon world that they live yeah. in, in a way, isn't it? Because who who would think to go and do that to earn eight quid? I know it's not Richie and Eddie's scheme, but I do think Spud Gun's mum's scheme is actually quite clever. This whole scheme of setting up fake crimes that require people to volunteer for identity parades so they can volunteer and get eight quid for them. It's actually If they're doing it in enough places, I don't know how many times you do it before you get caught. Yeah. Well, this is it. They clearly have already tried it on here because I think the fact that Grubbelar says go and take around the back and give her a good drubbing yeah. would be appalling if you weren't confident in the fact that she's tried this on before. I Weird that, isn't it? That it gets a laugh. It's go and beat up this middle-aged woman mm. and she just says, oh shit, and it gets a massive laugh. Like, disproportionate mm. laugh from the, yeah. the audience. Yeah. They've already set her up as the old bag, sort of derogatory terms for her. Yeah. So you're sort of already treating her as a, as a two-dimensional lesser yeah. being anyway, I think, when she comes in, even though it's, it's really obvious now, isn't it, that he says, hello, mum? Yes, yeah. In the 90s when this went out, I, I don't know how obvious a gag that was, really. I'd tell you what wasn't obvious to me when I watched this as a 12-year-old when this went out in 1992. When she walks in, at the time I just thought, oh, there's a sort of Pat Butcher-type character. Mm. She's wearing an animal print coat and she's got too much makeup on and that kind of thing. Did you not fancy her then, no? <laughs> she made my cock go right down. <laughs> now, you look at her and go, oh, she's an old hooker. Ah, uh, and that's why yes. when she says I know all of them they all go hello mm. and now I get the joke they've all paid for sex with her at the time I just Richie. thought oh she just looks a bit ropey all of those cliched things madam. are there I've actually never made that connection uh, yeah I, I think mm. you're right now yeah. it's like I know all of them oh, of I course. thought it's all quite sweet that they all knew <laughs> oh hello the Mrs. no 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 there's something a bit more sinister and seedy no. about yeah, it I think she's either the madam at the local brothel and yeah. has therefore met them all on the way in or the way out or I mean you could look at it a bit more innocently and think she's just down the pub and they all know her <laughs> but I think you're right I think there's definitely an undercurrent yeah. there and obviously also Spudgun is no idea who his dad is it's it's set up from the off that she's she's a lady that um, has loose morals should we say Andy Delatour as Chief Inspector Grobelar has got this wonderfully sort of lugubrious laid-back sardonic look on his face the whole time that's nicely emphasised in the way he says Grobelar. He pronounces his name beautifully doesn't he? I think that he's playing it as if he's in a cop show you know it doesn't really feel like <laughs> like the Sweeney or something yeah mm. and which I only mean is a good thing it's such an odd weird performance the pronunciation of his words really yeah. strange uh, but he enters the room with such authorities obviously someone important yeah. why did you think he was the attacker <laughs> but he's the, so the, disinterested yeah. as well isn't he because this is just another bloody lineup as yeah. well so mm-hmm. he's just sort of he's sauntering in I think that, like, oh, that makes sense this it? is this yeah. is it but I, he's obviously been directed that way but yeah. of course richie's been told they'll be it coming in next so that's why richie yeah, immediately yeah. leaps on him isn't he's he wearing, does, again he doesn't even look at him does he no, he's just ready he's to wearing pounce. a suit and yeah. has all the policemen kind of doing what he said it's so clearly important yeah. he does look almost neanderthal though when he Why? comes just in just because he's bald 
is the facial expression. I think he's been directed to come in looking just bored. Yeah, bored yeah. Richie to sort of leap to yeah. calling him that, and you know the scraping the knuckles along the floor. He comes in very hunched down, doesn't he? He does. He's almost yeah. double over, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a very physical performance. It's brilliant. I just love how Richie turns immediately. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to this sort of like creeping horrible smile and then he almost curtsies that's him. another one of his teacher pet smarmy yeah. suck up Just nature like, he turns has. on the sort of turn oh. of a coin doesn't he yeah. which we always see him do with police whenever police enter mm. the room he instantly turns into this simpering sycophant it's authority isn't it yeah. exactly it's the carney as well he calls him sir before he kicks Eddie in the bollocks. You can stuff. imagine at school, Richie would have been the biggest of creeps, wouldn't yes, he? Yes, yeah. absolutely. He wouldn't have been any good, but he would have tried to have ingratiated himself with the teachers and maybe, like I don't know, offered to like sweep, sweep, <laughs> up, sweep up the pencil shavings yeah. in yeah. a bin or something. Do you think he get... would have been milk monitor? <laughs> yes, almost yeah. certainly the idiot kid who was milk monitor. Sure. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a dated reference of the IRA pops yeah. up. Mm. Th- this put me in mind of Young Ones kind of gags. It felt a little bit political. I know later on in this episode, there's a few references to Thatcher and the Falklands, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's very political episode, this yeah. one. Obviously, with the cops, it's going to be, isn't it? Like, the yeah. setting is the perfect... I think it's written yeah. for this episode. Like, that's why they've set this episode up for that. But Bottom never usually goes down that kind of route. So this put me in mind slightly more of the Young Ones. So yeah. there's 17 years and then suddenly getting off scot-free. Is that a reference to something? It, just, it tickles me. Well, that gag, I never fully got that gag because I thought if you've done 17 years, you haven't gone away That's what I thought that's, the gag is. That's yeah. the gag. But, but I think there were quite a few IRA bombers that would have been sent to prison yeah. and then somehow sort of let out after yeah. however many years on appeal and things it like that. It feels like it's referencing something. The line when one the police says, can we just concentrate on the bag? <laughs> well, it's impossible to concentrate on anything else. I remember that clip being shown on BBC Two as an advert for Bottom right. <laughs> for advertising the episode. <laughs> Do you guys notice Andy Delator flubs his line a little bit and there's a bit where he says, let me get it straight. Let me let me get it straight. Oh, does he? I didn't notice You're that. You're accusing no. your son of stealing right. a handbag. He says, let me eat twice. Right. Ruins the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> Once we're then into the pub and Dave Hedgehog mentions her by name, we establish that her name is Mrs. Potato, thus telling us that Spunk Gun's name is Spunk Gun Potato. I guess Spunk Gun is the nickname. Yeah. And it's, why do you, I call Spunk Gun? Well, give me a potato and I'll show you. So it was a nickname, right? But... I, I guess so. I wonder he, what Spudgun's real name is, though. Something Potato, obviously. Yeah. I don't know. Do you not think that maybe because his nickname's Spudgun, that's why they call her Mrs. Potato? Oh, I thought her name was Lil Potato. Is that that is the credit. Obviously, in the reality of things, they have called her Mrs. Potato because they've already named the character Spudgun before. I don't know what the people actually called. We never find out what Spudgun's called. This episode does also have another uh, two returning characters of the dogs. When you open the door to the pub, <laughs> that but counts, right? Not reacting to any pheromone spray this time. And they're back in the pub, of course, which, I mean, we have been in before and we have met Dickhead in the past. You know, it's Richie slams down the money he's made mm. on the bar getting all authoritarian <laughs> and like oh, oh hang on sorry it's a girl behind the bar let me change my tactics here yeah. you are quite surprised along with them to see that it is a bird rather than dickhead I think and pleased as well well it's yeah. weird this episode you think which one's a dickhead in so it's this one yeah. another one and the other one it's a surprise to me how little dickhead is actually in this episode because it's mm. one only three is in Literally he's comes, in yeah. it two minutes if mm. that yeah, right yeah. at the fucking end when Richie meets Veronica Head played by the very gorgeous Judith Sawala. It's amazing how quickly he switches from the usual social, outcast, deviant, nervous person that he is to the most confident person in the world who thinks that his terrible chat lines are going to work. The, the only time he's had this kind of confidence before is when he's been wearing something chemical that he thinks is going to affect the woman he's talking mm. to. In the pub, surprisingly. Yeah. So he gets a bit of confidence in that. And also, it's interesting that he's learned that he needs to look at what the woman's wearing before he starts with his chat Doesn't say blouse, you're right. He's right. Got he says, interesting short summer frock. Summer frock. He's, that, read, he's read in an article somewhere. That line. He's learned from Natasha, hasn't he? Because he calls it's a dress. Calls yeah. it a blouse, right. and of course she says it's a dress, and he's yeah. terribly embarrassed. So he's actually, you know, he's not that thick, Richie. That first line is kind of charming, and it, it can be passed off as friendly. It's unwanted affection, sure. The barmaid isn't interested. Yeah. But he's still relatively normal. She he's, smiles quite sweetly when yeah, he first talks to her, doesn't she? Five <laughs> seconds he goes without <laughs> before he starts getting weird. Uh, another little fact for you: Julia Sawala has played a barmaid in another show. Do you know what that is? 
She played uh, an Australian in inverted commas because her accent was fucking awful <laughs> in Time Gentlemen Please, Al Murray's sitcom, oh, the first okay. series. Yeah, there's yeah. a similarity there because also the guy who is credited as Mr. Man, who's the guy that only had seven P's put on <laughs> Sag Ken, he's also a uh, regular in oh, Time Gentlemen Please. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> His name is Roy Heather. He plays the character called Pops. Who's the old guy in the pub? That's They're all on YouTube, yeah. actually. Well, so Julius Wahala's typecast as a barmaid in, <laughs> in sitcoms, although not so much in Abfab. This episode, in terms of the amount of cameos and guest stars, this is kind of the Kevin Bacon of the episodes, in that this is the one that you can link the show to almost any other British sitcom via the people who appear in this episode. Julia Sawala, Robert Llewellyn, Chris Langham. Chris Langham. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to go into it now? Well, uh, well let's, let's wait when, until he turns up, and okay. then we'll... we'll We'll talk about what he did. I suppose they all, we've, we've skipped ahead a little bit because we haven't said that they're on the ruse of the health and safety inspector. Yeah, shouting across the bar, we don't need to pay. Yeah. Right in front of her. Of course, it's revealed at the end that she's in on it and yeah. it sort of makes sense. But it's still, that, what are you doing? I Just... think that sums up why he's so confident as well, doesn't it? Because he's sort of put on a face, hasn't he? So right. he said we're from the health and safety inspectorate. He's actually not really richy, is he, for this episode? In uh, fact, he's completely off on one. Doesn't he order some Cornish pasties as well? Yeah. Cornish pasties and, and still two half pints. Yeah, it's free. Even though it's free. And because he's playing a character of someone from the health and safety inspectorate, he thinks he has some kind of authority, doesn't he? Mm, so yeah. therefore he's able to yeah. charm her with that. Yeah, that's what's amazing. When he's himself, he completely crumbles, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. But when he can actually put on a bit of a face and pretend to be someone he's not, then he can believe in himself, which is... Maybe that is a sociopathic trait. We see Mrs. Potato and all the police lineup people in the pub. And if you notice, Mrs. Potato hasn't got any visible injuries <laughs> after being... Well, pummeled by the well, by the cops. You know when they said give her a good drubbing. Mm. When thought, you first watched it, I thought it was drumming. You, is did drubbing? Did you know what it? drubbing meant when you first watched it? I I know what it I, is now. I didn't, but I was able to kind of suss it from it's the beating. inference. Does it not yeah, mean that? that's what it. Yeah. Well, I, I think when I was younger, I thought well, it meant something a lot worse. Yeah, <laughs> go. Which is <laughs> Christ. I did notice this was the episode when I watched it. There were several gags that didn't really land for me, such as did you have to yomp from Goose Green to Stroud Hill? Well, of course I did. There were no laves. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Just that, that for context, I you can, thought oh, yomp but then, squatting, needing a poo or something. But then also the hedgehog later on in the pawn shop. Do you have a copy of Health and Efficiency? Mm-hmm. No, this isn't much of a pawn shop then, is it? Yeah. Is Health and Efficiency supposed to be porny? No, it's yeah. not. It's a naturist mag. Ah, okay. It started out being a naturism mag. It was about health and looking after yourself, but it actually became, from the 1920s onwards, nicknamed okay. the Nudist's Bible. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not know that. I didn't get that gag either when yeah. I first watched it. And it, it almost feels like the only time that Dave Hedgehog has a, has a gag. No, it's not true. They so watched the telly. They watched the telly before the news. Yeah, give I me, suppose. Give the, me a hedgehog and I'll show you why. The sort of setting up and punchline to another character then, I suppose. It felt a bit like Mike the Cool Person, the, I think. I totally agree. The way he delivered it mm, was that's quite, what I mean. It was quite coherent and confident, wasn't it? And you can imagine Mike the Cool Person saying yeah, that line. It's the yeah. first time you see Christopher Ryan in bottom really kind of own a line, set up and punch, I think. I disagree. In that way. I think his first appearance, the they watched the telly. Or before the news. Yeah, that that's a really funny line, but it's just the way he delivers it in this one. It just reminded me of... Absolutely, it did very similar to yeah, Mike. Yeah, he's not reacting to Eddie. Yeah. It's his own little gag. How do you make flashing convincing? What the fuck do you mean by that? She <laughs> you means that get, line, get, get your bits out. Yeah. What, during the lineup. Yeah. Well, I think she means <laughs> I want to actually be flashed and make it... Yeah, so yeah. that's the... Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the next uh, crime they have lined up somewhere else, right? In another another part of the country or in, something. In right? Paddington this afternoon. Speaking earlier about how this was very much an episode about Richie and Eddie going out into society and that kind of thing. I love that once they get to the pub, Eddie doesn't abandon Richie and go off and hang out with Spud Gun and Hedgehog. That's and right. When Richie is in the pub, he's part of the group there. He's part of the community. Now, to them, he's kind of still the village idiot, but it feels like he's kind of accepted by the people, you know? Yeah, yeah. they're not mean to him, really. They kind of all chip in and say and agree that he's not had yeah. sex with a woman things. They, they know who he is. <laughs> yeah, he's the butt of the jokes, isn't yeah. he, Richie? But he's, it's an affectionate kind of... Well, look, this is, this is proof he meets someone brand new and makes mm. an enemy. 
straight away. <laughs> Bit of a niggle for me. When Spud Gun goes back to the bar, so you want to get another drink, she's like, oh yeah, same again. He's like, oh, another three bottles of brandy, my dear, while holding a bottle of Jameson's and there's a nearly empty bottle of Jack Daniels on the table. So we haven't had any brandy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just like, why did they make that mistake? That's such a needless mistake. It's weird. And another thing, I know the beer is now free, but they're returning quite full glasses, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. But why didn't you finish the <laughs> yeah, drinks at before? At least oh, half full. Maybe that's part of the ruse, though, because if you only tasted a bit and you're not sure about it, then you right. want a fresh pint to try. Another four pints, yeah. So, well, you haven't had four pints because you've had a bunch of half pints. Because if you've yeah. ever, not that I ever have, but if you were in a restaurant, you were going to send food back. You can't yeah. really eat it all and then say... Nah, I don't think that was yeah, very nice. Sure. Can I have another? Or So Robert Llewellyn is there from the beginning. He's sat in this corner mm. for the whole episode. He doesn't, doesn't get up. Now, have you noticed how fucking gormless he looked at the beginning? <laughs> he does, yeah. Before the Falklands are mentioned. He's, With, well, I guess he's already drunk. He's been there drinking all day. Well, I think it's the gag that he's a veteran that's now, obviously, he's lost his leg. He's propping up the bar and he's actually very kind of a depressed character as well, isn't he? He's probably drinking away his disability mm. allowance or something. But yes, his mouth open is such a sort of fly-catching, <laughs> gormless look. It's amazing. Robert Llewellyn has a very rubber face. Mm-hmm. So, well, he uh, well, wears a rubber face yeah. in, in the other show he's in yeah but even without the makeup yeah. he's got a very expressive face hasn't he for anyone who doesn't know Robert Llewellyn he plays Crichton in Red Dwarf the robot so you wouldn't recognise him obviously but do you think anybody doesn't know I don't know maybe, maybe not he maybe looks, you wouldn't he looks so different different voice as well because he puts yeah. on the American accent for Crichton I think when this episode went out Rob Llewellyn had already been playing Crichton in Red Dwarf and had probably appeared in Red Dwarf with his own face in the Hudson episode because he appears as someone, a representative from the company that makes Crichton. And that, uh, before that. Yeah, yeah, so DNA. That's series four. There was one moment in this episode where I thought he had a Crichton-esque expression on his face, which is when he's unconscious but still in pain and having his leg twisted. And he's <laughs> he sort of does that. Oh, there's no point doing it. Cause I know the, what you mean. Yeah. That, that reaction, yeah. yeah, the open mouth kind of pain is quite Crichton, weirdly. Yeah. I like the fact that Richie's fucking contempt for the situation of his lies, you know, he doesn't even know what the word veteran means. <laughs> he not know what ammo means. Like, what the f- this is a great example of Richie yet again going off on his own fantasy, but not being fully knowledgeable about no. his fantasy. But of fully? course, it starts with him trying to chat up the barmaid, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's the classic line of, I've not been able to make love properly since he since the was in yes, the Falklands. Sympathy vote so he's trying to go for. that's what he's going for. And he obviously hasn't banked yeah. on the fact that the guy behind him at the bar is a sure. real Falklands vet. I think by the time he's banging the bar and saying 10 long years, <laughs> he genuinely believes what right. he's saying. Well, Do you know how it. long the Falklands conflict went on for? About yes. four, four, Three, 74 days. Three months. Fucking hell. Right. I know. I've, I didn't... I knew at the time that it wasn't 10 years. You see Eddie and Crichton in the background, yeah. <laughs> like, looking confused at that. But like, yeah. Even Eddie, like, Eddie like, my, like, mouths yeah. 10. I don't think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Even Eddie knows that that's complete yeah. and utter bullshit. Yeah. And also, the flip reverse from Richie, crumbling when he's shown the medal by Robert Llewellyn's character. And then from sort of having his arse fall out of him and thinking, oh, how am I going to get out of this? I'm pretending I'm a war vet. So then the absolute audacity of yeah. going with the lie to the face of a man who was actually there and the amount with, of yeah. things that they drop in like, as you say like Richie's ignorance is unbelievable levels and Th- this thinking, so you can't even blag it well thinking that the men he was fighting were speaking German mm, yeah one of my favourites <laughs> like I mean obviously it's all done for comedy purposes so it all makes sense as to why Richie is so utterly utterly shameful but it, again I think we've touched upon it before it's that kind of little England I'm so proud of what we've achieved and yet I have absolutely zero knowledge about it, what it is that I'm proud about being British Yeah, it's a lie that he's been working on for years as well isn't it he mentioned in series one I, I hurt my leg during the Falklands conflict mm. So I, I think it's one he goes back to every now and again, but this is the first time he's been challenged. I don't know for sure, but surely at the time it would have been something that you would maybe have heard a bit more often from people. You know, I was in the Falklands conflict, or yeah. and you might in like you wouldn't really encounter it. Many well, people talking about it now. When he looks around the pub and he asks Spudgun what he did during the mm. war, it's as though that was the great war event of that generation. Mm. The fucking nerve of him from like, oh, I must mingle, must go away from it, getting caught out in this lie <laughs> what, to then gonna... shame someone else who yeah. was, you fucking hypocritic <laughs> bastard Richie gets bored 
yeah. talking to him, doesn't he? That's what I love because Richie can bore the arse off England. Like he can absolutely just bore everyone to tears, and yet he's like mm, charmed and can't be doing with talking to this guy anymore. That horrible yawn thing with his backhand yeah. flapping about. It's like, the other, like Richie's finally met someone who actually wants to talk to him, albeit based on a complete lie. But he's yeah. actually bored and he's had enough, so he's off. When Robert Llewellyn tells them how much his leg cost, and they both turn <laughs> to each other and say, "No, we can't. We can't." Are they both contemplating stealing it at that point? No, no I didn't thinking, get this. They're thinking, can we get together two and a half grand and go and watch these yeah, dusky maidens? That's the joke. I didn't get it. I didn't get it the first okay, time. I had okay. to have that explained to me. Do you think they would go as far as cutting off one of their own legs? <laughs> we didn't no, need I think to... they're just thinking two and a half grand, we could go and watch these women carving right. naked. Right. And what is absolutely mad is, of course, you could probably pay a lot less. Go and buy a porn mag. In this country. Just go to a strip club. Just go to a strip club. You don't even need them to carve a leg. That's not the important bit, right? It's a recurring fantasy, though, isn't it, for them? The idea of busky maidens and naked and the exotic side of it. Because he says they're Balinese maidens, isn't it? Where's that? Bali? Okay. In Bali, thought. So... It's the exotic side of it that, that's sort of tempting to them, isn't it? It's the idea that they'd be able to watch these naked maidens. Yeah, sure. they, you know, yeah, they want to be on a beach somewhere, either in the Caribbean or in Brazil or something mm. like that, with some hot Latina ladies. Yeah. Have you ever heard the expression bunged out before <laughs> or since? No. No, it, it's not a fucking expression. I've never heard it before. And what it makes me think of is having, like, colonic irrigation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bunghole. Yeah. I mean, she means thrown out of the pub, doesn't right. she? Yeah, of course. Richie, again, in a similar way to Abianto, yeah. thinks that it's something saucy. Because he can turn anything dirty, can't he, Richie? That's yeah, the... that's his superpower. <laughs> the, have you read The Joy of Sex as well? No, I don't read things that's like that. That's a normal he, and... thing. She says, I don't read things like that. And yeah. he says, that's okay, we can look at the pictures. So yeah. he actually thinks she's saying she wouldn't read it it's not he's not got that she's disgusted at, yeah. at the title of the book he's he doesn't really understand rejection despite having a lot of practice with yeah. it but he's so in his own little world isn't he like sure he, he reads the joy of sex and he looks at page three so what else can he ask other than <laughs> are you a page three girl which he thinks is the ultimate compliment to her as well yes yeah. he absolutely th- it's the same way as you know have you ever thought about being a model i yeah. suppose yeah that's a compliment it's still a creepy one in a way mm. the timothy thing's fucking odd oh i love that reference to that ad though it's a great when, reference yeah when so you first watch right? this you could see absolutely what he was saying because julius wahala's hair is absolutely wonderful yeah. like it's like a golden array Shower. Of, yeah <laughs> the timothy ad has it's obviously dated if you'd seen it then you exactly know what it is that richie's yeah. gone to and again his point of reference is just what's on the telly <laughs> yeah What's on page three? Like, he hasn't yeah. got anything else to sort of say and compliment her on, has he? A couple of things Eddie said in this episode, especially in this pub scene, made me think that we're halfway through the second series here, and we're about halfway through Eddie's transformation from the savvy, intelligent one of the two to an absolute idiot. I think I said before in one of the episodes that Rick and Aid kind of made Eddie get dumber as he went on, a bit like Homer Simpson did, mm. in order to play up certain aspects of comedy. Yeah, they do that in quite a few sitcoms, yeah, that, don't they? That is called the flanderization. Is of it? a character's name after mm. can you guess right yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's basically the things that work about a character they emphasize those more and more and more hated them doing it to ross in friends yeah 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 he and was the straight man in the beginning really wasn't he yeah. and then, so intelligent mm. and in this episode we see eddie's kind of at this halfway point now where if someone says quite the opposite of crying actually he genuinely thinks they mean they were sucking water <laughs> that in with is their a eyes. phenomenal <laughs> visual <laughs> Well, it's not a visual gag, but it makes you conjure that up. And the look of bewildered confusion on Crichton's face. It's such a, it's such a, great, sur- yeah. it's such a great surreal joke, isn't yeah. it? It gets a proper pulled. No, it's obviously not what I meant. And now it's time for a word from our sponsor. Where better to enjoy a drink that tastes like heaven? Malibu, superb. On the rocks, perfect. With orange or pineapple. Malibu, it comes from paradise and tastes like heaven. Right, can we talk about Chris Langham now? He burst through the door singing the Bee Gees. Now, this scene was cut from the VHS tapes, which right. is my main memory of the episode. I've seen the show more on VHS than any other yeah. thing. His first appearance in the VHS cut, he just 
pops up from the floor, having fallen over this bit, oh. saying like, oh, well, I need something to fall on. Oh, I'm all right. Oh, no, I'm not. Falls back down. Oh, but really? comes from nowhere. Obviously, the reason it's cut is for rights issues for the music. Yes. Which presumably they've gotten round now because on mm. iTunes, when he comes in, he's singing the song. Yes. Is there no cut where he comes in, no. but they cut the song? No, there is not. He just came up from the floor. That must have been really it, disconcerting. It's very weird. Like, huh? What happened there? And it's, it's I kind of didn't have the proper memory of it. I'd seen it on TV once, but then on VHS a lot. And then reading the script books, I'm like, wait, what's going on here? I, I, as a kid, I, I couldn't figure out what now happened. Now that you say it, because I watched the VHS before I... And I think, yeah, you're right. There did used to be this strange pop-up of Tight Mouth Larry right. that you didn't get the entrance, did you? But that's fascinating that it was that he was... I mean, he's singing along to it. Yeah. yeah. It's not like they're so playing the Bee Gees. There's a bit that's removed from Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, which didn't make it onto the DVDs because of them mm. singing some sort of song. When Chris Langham falls um, f- and face plants on the bar and he does his weird sort of gravity-defying bounce, Yeah. Julius Awala just looks so unfazed by it. <laughs> Do you think she already knew what he was like? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> what, him sort of creeping up? His proclivities. Mm. All right, so, right, what happened with Chris Langham? What did happen with what Chris happened? Langham? So he was in a lot of shows and stuff. Now, I, maybe I'm mixing my pedophiles together. <laughs> <laughs> but did he write a book and they found some stuff on his computer and he said, no, I was researching a book about paedophilia. He did claim... That's, that was him. That, that was why it was on his machine. That's what I... That's I didn't follow it that closely, but I do recall that that was one of his defence. And yet, this is the defence that worked perfectly for Pete Townsend. <laughs> Nothing happened to him. No. And yet Chris Lane was sent away. I heard, or I read, I think that he was exchanging texts with a 14-year-old girl, apparently. Okay. Chris Langham is guilty of one thing, for sure, but unfortunately so is Stephen O'Donnell and Spud Gun's mum, which is bad drunk acting. Actors very rarely get it right anyway, but right. all three of them in this episode right, are right, particularly right. bad. But Chris Langham, who's playing Tight Mouth Larry, the character is acting drunk. The character isn't oh, drunk, is he? Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. He's being over the top yeah. on purpose, so actually faultless performance from Chris Langham. <laughs> <laughs> so all is forgiven. <laughs> Did you guys notice that I assume Richie has been lying to everyone about the Falklands for a while, but he encourages Eddie to lie. At this point, he's like, oh, you were there as well, says Robert Llewellyn, and he's like, gives him a little nod. That's Richie admitting that he's lying to Eddie, sort of. He's right, like, right. getting on this with me. That's weird. That's the only time he does it. Anything yeah. that's close to that, anyway. And yet, when he's talking about shutting Tucker's finger in the tank door, he's back to <laughs> believing it, presumably. Yeah, because yeah. the shock of... Always oh, a load of bollocks. What, what have you done? <laughs> Do you think Richie has watched a lot of American war films in order to get all of these cliché names of his unit? In Joey between. Snowy, Corky. Joey sounds like the guy in the unit who gets shot and has a picture of a house that he built back home that he's never going to get to return to see. Always reminded me of the Seventh Wolves. Joey, Snowy yeah. and Corky. Corky. Yeah. Corky. Ridiculous. <laughs> Have you noticed that Crichton also starts putting traps into the questions before the Goose Green mm. Shroud Hill yeah. stuff? That he doesn't get him the first time, but he does. He, he repeats it a few times, doesn't he? He's so suspecting that yeah. what Richie's yes. talking is enough to load of bollocks, but interestingly doesn't threaten to punch him for quite a while from yeah. between the there is no Stroud Hill. The fucking nerve of Richie being caught out in a yeah. lie, but then doubling down on it and yeah. saying, oh, you didn't find it. Yeah. Oh, what an idiot you are. Why were you laugh about the, you? The absolute look of joy on Crichton's face when Richie does agree to the fight. <laughs> it's like all of his Christmases have come at once. <laughs> And the brilliance of that whole physical setup of he's obviously sat in the stool and can't yeah, go anywhere, so yeah. Richie has to sort of walk into the punch. He's yeah. fine. So three three <laughs> Not punches once, at yeah. once. Three and then there's a there's another fight, isn't there? There's, oh, there's two. The the sound the ratatatat sound of yeah. those punches that get rained down on him. Uh, it's, yeah. it's Richie channeling Bruce Forsyth with his interesting. No, I think that's Leonard Rochester, isn't it? Do you think? Miss Jones. A bit more like that. Did I've never really thought about it being it's quoting just, another character as such. I think it's Richie sort of buying time almost, right, isn't it? Just right. like, eh, interesting, yeah. isn't it? How many times did you used to quote the A B scenario? Yeah, that's a great one, isn't yeah. it? That's what well, always use that. The language of that, brilliant. If we're gonna break that apart, the first point is, well it's interesting just because I'm interesting. So like no, that's that's a bullshit <laughs> argument. And the second point is well, I don't need it because of how yeah. well I've done before. So you self congratulating prick. You've done nothing of relevance there. <laughs> but he's just so confident in himself yes. and his own lies. The words bullshit and pinko 
I just thought as a kid were complete gibberish. Yeah. Now, Pinko is something to do with communism. I knew Bolshe. Bolsheism, I've heard. So it's Bolshevik. Bolshe refers to Bolshevism. But the way he says Pinko, he, I always thought it was Pink-O. Like there's an O that's pink. Well, of course, we all know that a Pinko is a brand of handbags... But if you go onto Google, type in Pinko, is it really? that's what pops up. It's someone who's left-leaning but isn't a member of the Communist Party. Right. That isn't a member. Yeah, so okay, not so a fully-fledged, signed-up member, but it's okay. someone who's left-leaning and so is therefore to not be trusted if you are of a right-wing mm, Because you may go on to become a communist, mm. essentially, so don't trust Well, you, you're sympathetic. You're a communist sympathiser. Right, there's a thing that Robert Llewellyn says in response to uh, the opposite of crying. Where he says he took Harrison's point single-handed. Now, is that a real wartime event? Is that something that actually happened? I'm assuming there's going to be a hill in the Falklands I, called Harrison's Point. I went as far as looking onto Google Maps and trying to find Harrison's yeah. Point. Couldn't find any reference to it in the Falklands okay. or, of course... Because they refer to Goose Green, which is part yes. of the Falklands. Yeah, yeah, that was a famous... But I'm saying if that was an actual war thing that happened, someone taking that thing, that he may then be playing a specific character Oh, I see. In, yeah, in yeah. yeah, maybe you know? it's something from one of the other wars. Because they really do their research. Research, Rick and Aid, whether or not they've actually done it because they're writing this episode yeah. or they're already so knowledgeable. There are so many references, military references mm. in this. I mean, did you know what a busby was? I thought a busby was a posh hat, but actually I was thinking a trilby. So Yeah, yeah it's a mi- it's a military hat, right. but it went out just before World War One. It's the sort of fur lined almost like what they wear beef eater style but slightly sh- it's shorter than oh, that right, but okay. it's big it's quite right. a big fur lined hat with like okay. a little red like thing on the front it was it's actually Hungar- Hungarian in okay. origin interesting the Busby okay. yeah so it's a Russian it's, type look yeah, yeah absolutely so it predates mm. <laughs> predates the 20th century essentially from when it was popular so the idea of him saying oh yeah. a couple of the chaps had their Busbys on but they didn't last very yeah. long did you is did, a visual gag if you know what a Busby is obviously did you notice what Robert Llewellyn's character's name is in the episode? Mr. N. Styles, Which is a reference to Nobby Styles, the mm-hmm. former England footballer. So there's two footballer references in this. Yes, Nobby Styles and Grobbelar. Grobbelar yeah. being oh. Bruce Grobbelar, the former Liverpool okay. goalkeeper. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, there's a weird fan theory <laughs> about why he's called Nobby Styles on Wikipedia. Okay, go for it. So this batshit crackpot theory on Wikipedia <laughs> goes thusly. <laughs> The names of the chief inspector, Grobbelar, and the veteran, Mr. N. Styles, appear to reference football players Bruce Grobbelar and Nobby Styles. Okay, that makes sense. At the time, Grobbelar was goalkeeper for Liverpool FC and well known for his unorthodox approach to goalkeeping. Okay. Styles, who, like the veteran, meaning Crichton, presumably was long retired, had displayed his false teeth and the trophy after the 1966 World Cup final, which the veterans displaying his wooden leg and medal possibly alludes to. What? No. Yeah. Well, what a fucking arduous link. He does. So, they do call it his falsy. So? But <laughs> so, I so, don't think that no. they would have called him N. Styles because he had a false leg, which would lead to false teeth. The false leg is the same as the false teeth, and the medal is the same as the World Cup. That yeah. would be the theory. It Carries... was a very famous thing, though, wasn't it? Nobby, it's Nobby dancing, isn't it? Yeah, so, so he, that... was, he was one of the 1966 World Cup winning team. He was brandishing right? his false teeth in one hand and the World Cup in the other. Oh, was he? Okay. While he was dancing, <laughs> apparently. Look at you showing off your football knowledge. Jules <laughs> Rimway. Yeah. Googled it today. No, I, I mean, I'm a big Frank Skinner fan, so yeah. like, the Nobby dancing thing has yep. always been like, oh, what's oh, that? Right. And so I've known. But yeah. I wasn't aware of the false teeth thing until No, me today. neither. I think they've plucked two names at random. They've opened the paper and, and turned to the sports section and gone, right, We'll take these two names. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Did you guys notice that Richie mentions that he lost his appendix before he shows the scar? Yes. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that until recently. I I just kind of muddied the order up. He says my appendix is up there on the top of Mount William or something. Yes, something yeah. like that. I assume that's one of his biggest scars, so he's like, well, I can brag about this. And he actually says the appendix are up there, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. it's a singular... Well, it's, it's unlike it's, Richie to not know the ins and outs of the It's a singular details. organ. It's a singular... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it yeah. an organ? It is, but it's a it's a defunct it's organ. It's an appendage. It's a defunct an organ. Appendix. <laughs> I believe it's something to do with when humans used to digest grass or something like that. Yeah, we don't need yes, it anymore. Yes, it's superfluous now, isn't it? Why does Richie put the moves on to Mrs. Potato when she just says, oh, do you know how women feel? So, oh, I'd like to take the practical. Because she's, she's a living, breathing woman. And because she's a prostitute. Well, yeah. He's he, anything to be a bit pervy. And it also gets him out of it, doesn't it? Because she obviously just walks away. Because out of all of them, I don't think she has had... 
any relations with Richie, has she even for no. money? Well, no. Correct. Because yeah. he's had no relations with any <laughs> person. Judas. In this. Yeah, Eddie questions Richie's sexuality in the pub here. Mm. This now, is, he also he shows some <laughs> bite tendencies in this episode while being turned on having his his hand up Brighton's leg. Shade. Yeah, what do Sh- you think he's about to say to Eddie when he hey, is I can feel feeling, his cock. Yeah. <laughs> do you think he's going to say it it's quite big or... Or just that he felt th- it or something? I think he's probably going to say, hey, I can feel his balls here or something like that. There are definite shades of the gas man here. Two <laughs> times that so far that I can remember that Richie's displayed bisexual tendencies are both when he's got an unconscious man there to the third one. The third? third one. Can you guess? Another thing where they both show some bisexual tendencies or gay tendencies, it's in Break when they want to see Des Lynham naked. Basically, they're just perverts. Yeah. Does this episode have the second instance so far that we've seen of Eddie doing a long string of words? Matey skip, jock strap. Uh, it's he probably it, the best one. Of does it in that. sup, doesn't he, when they're putting all this stuff into the basket yeah. to take up to the roof? Sure. Did you know this episode, the final line of that that he says is not in the script? So do you know what the last thing he says in that sequence is? He does his whole thing, which is righty dokey, matey bloke, flap, old salty sea dog, amigo, skipjack, jockstrap, piano tuner. Then in the script, he's supposed to say absolument, and Richie replies with pucker. But from when I saw it, Eddie ends it with, let's see your balls this one up. Maybe on the day they did a quick rewrite? I guess, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. I want to go back to the pub fight. Richie seems quite excited to get into a fight. He's quite yeah. brave. He is. Considering he supposedly can't fight, he's quite keen to get into he it. He is. I guess he just sees this guy as not a threat. He's drunk. He's quite small stature and stuff. But, but he's a what? soldier. He's, he is. He's, he's a soldier, you know. but a disabled soldier. So, you know, it's it's something. It's, it's quite bully-like for him to try and fight this guy. So he wants to get in on the fight. So why does he loudly proclaim, hold me back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what he wants is actually for Eddie to come in and save him from this situation yeah. that he's got. I mean, it's very nervous energy, isn't it? That amazing thing that Rick oh, Mail does, does with the, the, with the, yeah. with the, the wrist punch heel, thing. The heel yeah. of his hand, I think you call it, the isn't com- it? The Commander Riker punch. Yeah, 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 yeah we've mentioned if, that before. Richie is very much like a schoolboy, and every schoolboy, when he's about to get into a fight, wants nothing more than the fight to be broken up and for both people to be held back, but then they can act like they were going to beat mm, the other yes, person up. If only you hadn't got here and held me back, I would have wiped the floor with him. Sure. Crichton's finishing move on Richie. Richie's <laughs> calling him Crichton the whole thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so when Crichton does the finishing move on him, it really puts me in mind of Popeye. Really? You know I mean, the like yeah. like yeah. a punching bag, yeah, uh, a boxer yeah. type thing. It's like he rolls his hands sort of thing. That's sort of how I thought you'd fight as a kid. <laughs> yeah, the noise of it yeah. as well is, is very much like a punching bag, isn't it? Yeah. So then tight mouth Larry pops up because he needs someone to hold on to and have a good line. I need to stop this fight because of story reasons. Mm. And then he spills the beans about the 330 at Chepstow, Sag Ken, 100 to 1. 3.30 at Chepstow sounds so iconic to me now. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, you, you keep calling him Crichton and it is hilarious to think of him actually sat there in the corner as Crichton. Have <laughs> you seen, like, recently on a few kind of Facebook fan groups, there was a Red Dwarf one that said, would you like to see a crossover between any show? And right. someone mentioned Bottom and Red Dwarf yeah. would be a fun one. And, like, what would happen if all of those characters were suddenly put together? Like, what would you do if, like... Yeah. Rimmer, right. Lister and Crichton ended up in the Lamb and Flag or whatever. <laughs> and obviously lots of people sort of agreed that Richie and Rimmer would be the ones that would get on with each other and oh, Lister I, and I Eddie would be on a massive pub crawl. I yeah. think Arnold Rimmer would look down on Richie. Arnold Rimmer would be glad that he's met the one person in the universe sadder than him. Oh, but what Richie could lord it over him for being dead. And... Well, yeah, but he's got this military training that he's jealous of. That Richie aspires to the sort of nobility mm. thing that he's got. Arnold Rimmer is from a good family. The the whole point of Rimmer is that he is 0.1 on the ladder, basically. Yeah, right. But so and Lister is zero, isn't it? But mm. he's like, well, I'm above someone, great. Right. But he's still nothing. And I think it's a similar sort of thing with Richie. Yeah, yeah it would be. It, it's an interesting idea, and obviously with Robert Llewellyn being in this episode, about I thought I'd bring it up because yeah. it, it is an interesting idea of like crossover of sitcoms and things. And I don't think I really knew that that was Crichton right. when I first watched it because yeah. I think you're right. I don't think that episode of Red Dwarf had gone out yet, or certainly I hadn't watched it yet. He is an absolute master of accents, isn't he? Really, when you think about it's great, it, great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, he I was think he says own... it's Canadian that he he does for Crichton. It's I a see. Canadian inspired accent for Crichton. When you hear Robert Llewellyn actually talk, he's actually quite very well spoken. He is, yeah. 
And imagine Crichton in their flat. He'd be in hog's heaven, wouldn't he? Yeah. Well, he'd he's... absolutely love cleaning up Richie and Eddie's flat, wouldn't he? He'd but... be there for years, wouldn't he? It was I his fan... know that he could do it quite quickly, right around the back but... of the lavatory bowl. They would finally have a clean toilet. Well, that was his dream scenario in the Legion episode. Mm. They all got their dream bedroom and his one was a filthy yeah. room with a modern yeah. bucket. Yeah, exactly. A cesspit to clear up. Bearing in mind that Crichton's attachments were all groinal, and Richie likes to have sex with inanimate objects. Ooh. Would Richie eventually try We're and have sex there. with Crichton? I don't know what, so just to have some sort of a groinal attachment that is a <laughs> vagina. <laughs> well, would he maybe, he'd just unscrew everything just to leave the gaping hole there. Did you guys notice the sign on the wall when Chris Langham leaves? Uh, yeah, I, I, yes, I did. Yeah. Very purposeful. Yeah, it must have been put on purpose. It wasn't just randomly there. So it's no to apartheid uh, executions, something mm. like that. Another thing that dates the, the yeah. show in, in the 90s. It's very bright coloured yellow it's green, poster. It's, it's green. I mean, Maybe you, you, it's a noose again. Political episode, and I think they're true. That that's an opportunity to actually let their kind of true feelings out. Yeah. I think, isn't it? Talking of this episode being an episode of guest stars and cameos, Rory Bremner is credited as being in the episode. I can only assume he's the racing commentator. I, I think I've yeah. heard that before. Yeah. yeah, you can actually tell. I think no one once you know because I I thought it sounds very spitting image like right, that right. commentary. For, yeah. It's one of my favourite bits of the episode. I think just the the very nasal commentary that's coming from it all their hopes are on what's going to happen in this race and then it's just so smug as well isn't it sort of the third can has been shot it's the build up as well of like it's very sporting of them to include a three legged blind horse yeah and that's the first uh, some of them react to their tickets then like I didn't know that oh oh dear As a kid, I just thought it was a joke that the horse had to be shot because he'd done so badly. But I didn't even know they literally do shoot well, horses, well, I mean, put them if, down. If, I mean, they're, if they're completely right. beyond... Yeah, well, could, they, if they're completely beyond um, recovery, he's already blind with three legs. So was there not a point oh, before this that uh, he was shot? Because he obviously has fallen over, broken another of his three legs. He hasn't got many left. It's done so badly, the jockey's life is forfeit as well. It's like a, it is like a little mini spitting image sketch that yeah. yeah. really does feel like it first of all they need to get some money to put on the horse because they've got this information and the only thing they know of any value is this wooden leg from Crichton conveniently yeah well first they go in the toilet to discuss the plan right Mm. and I find it really weird when Eddie's openly laughing at Richie's penis (laughs) it's so I'm like why is Richie not more squeamish about showing it? Why is he not shy? I always then? found it odd that he's got his glasses off to do it as yeah. well. Yeah, they get a better look. And it's weird when you see Eddie without his glasses, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, then they nip in back into the bar, grab his leg, grab the wrong leg. Yeah. Oh, brilliant, gosh. brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. But I must say, probably a little bit of a niggle here. Crichton reacts in pain instantly. As soon as he picks up the other leg, before right. he's twisted anything, he's, he winces like, ah, in pain. Like just at the leg being so picked up. You shouldn't have, yeah, that yeah. one should have just been like a kind of half asleep yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. The sound effects are fucking excellent. Is your niggle there? not that he doesn't wake up? <laughs> I like them when they're doing it slowly yeah. it seems more painful doesn't yeah. it you can also tell straight away that it is a completely false leg but you know what what, you what are you talking do? about what do you mean you can tell that no. it's a packed it's a packed leg that he's twisting nah. yeah nah. you can see it kind of go in towards the the joint of his thigh no it was Robert Llewellyn's very method he was actually <laughs> he actually turned himself into a robot I know I mean obviously episodes. it is a false leg but yeah. it, it is quite obvious as soon as he picks it up yeah that what the gag's gonna be because so you already if you've been eagle-eyed enough you can tell he's picked up the wrong leg yeah, yeah. straight away uh, robert Llewellyn does play the agony brilliantly mm. while still managing to be asleep yes. yeah so split seconds of agony back to slumber i love the keeping him drunk thing as well when there just so happens to be a funnel at yeah. the bar already where does he get that from <laughs> it's just there so everyone in the pub who heard the news mm. has had this exact same idea of getting more money yeah. going down the pawn shop in the pawn shop yet another scene with lots of extras this is such a big cast episode I love the wonderful detail of it's just so in the background a guy in a balaclava coming out of a van and running yeah. in, and, yeah. then, and then patiently joining the back of the queue yeah. behind so everyone else he's got a VCR player so, so. He's, he's been out nicking yeah. so why does he need to earn money with a hook he's already just stealing things anyway well, he's pouring it isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I love, he's still got his balaclava on and I just take, it take off, off. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I just kept my work uniform on what if he's the burglar who knocked out Richie and Eddie oh 
could be. He should have been carrying something from their flat. Yeah, yeah. that would have been good. Can we talk about how good a haggler Dave Hedgehog is? <laughs> <laughs> that he halves, the, he halves yeah. his own amount. He gets low-balled with the TV and then, oh, because Bob's full out, he's on. all right, yeah, give me, give me a fiver then. Right, now, so I want to ask something that's, that's kind of a muddied memory of mine. Who is Harry the Bastard? Because the guy in the betting shop is Ted, turns out. Now, I've what? got a weird memory of some line where I think Richie is saying Harry the Bastard was the only guy who didn't cry when Bambi's mum was killed. It's not in any of the bottom episodes at all. I've read through all the scripts and things. I've searched for this line. I don't know if it's something I've, that someone's I've, told me and I've, it's bullshit. That, sound, that doesn't sound like a bottom line. It That's, sounds like a comic strip, that. Th- that sounds like a comic strip or a young one's line. It's not yeah. young one's either. It may be a comic strip thing. Then. Harry the Bastard, I think, is something that they've used before, but I couldn't pinpoint it. Yeah. Do email in. <laughs> Yet yeah. another Harry in the bottom well, universe. But it's not actually Harry, because he's Ted. Now, despite not actually knowing him... Eddie does have blackmail photos of him uh, with a strip and down, uh, Chippendale. I think he is meant to be Harry the Bastard, though, and I everyone so. has just nicknamed him that, whether his name's Harry or Ted or not. Yeah. Because he's referred to again in the betting shop, isn't he, of course, by the guy who's yeah. only got 7p for his house. It's wonderful how it never occurs to Richie and Eddie to just run away from Robert Llewellyn. <laughs> from yeah. this guy who's only got one fucking leg. Even once Eddie returns with the bad news, they retire to the toilet to cook up a scheme. They could have just the run out the door. is panic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So with the last we see of Crichton, in fact, is him drunkenly sort of laughing at them before he's realised his leg is missing. That poor guy never gets his revenge or his leg back, really. Richie and Eddie do get their comeuppance, but, you know, he doesn't get his leg back. That's no. something that's kind of a loose end. Yeah, he's been bored to death by Richie. He's been... Molested. Molested. <laughs> Had his leg, had his leg yeah. twisted. He's been maimed yeah. with his one good leg is now off. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, he should be wake up like, oh, my God, what's wrong with my... Well, when he wakes <laughs> up, he's still quite drunk. I imagine that's numbing the pain. Maybe. But he's, he's going to wake up to find his leg. Therefore, his independence... Mm. Has been stolen from him. Mm-hmm. That is how Richie and Eddie treat a war veteran. Richie, man of never-ending confidence, despite the fact that he tried to have a fight earlier on with someone and got his ass kicked, decides to just start on the next person who comes in and manages to develop some decent punching skills, doesn't he? He really goes to town on Chief Inspector Grobelar. He's literally just got to make it happen, otherwise they're not going to get out of this. He shrugs off that beating pretty well, doesn't he? He does. He, he smiles. <laughs> he smiles, in fact. It all got some... <laughs> These guys annoyed me before, now I've got something on him. <laughs> Well, his lip curls into a wonderful sneer. I've got Mm. you. The only character other than the gas man that the two of them gang up fighting. uh, When you first watched this, did you see the dickhead, tight mouth Larry collusion coming Mm. a mile off? No, no. I think I was genuinely surprised when I first watched it that they come out laughing at them. Plot wise, it's quite good. Yeah. Yeah. He played a convincing drunk, really. Well, you know. (laughs) in an over the top kind of hammy kind of way now I don't know much about the law and uh, the intricacies of of police work and lawyers and stuff but are female nudie lawyers a real thing (laughs) I don't don't know how much they'd cost (laughs) (laughs) would they also carve a wooden leg for you Two, right, two things for eagle-eyed viewers to notice with the lineup. Just before the line cuts to them all individually, you see Eddie start to play with his glasses to do oh, the, really? the wonky eye thing. Okay. And I actually didn't spot this until just recently watching it uh, for this podcast. Spud Gun is still looking at the betting slip in <laughs> stunning, <laughs> like <laughs> frozen, that he's lost all his money. That's a, I never got, never saw it before. Great gag. So they've just led him over the, into this thing and he's just like, come on, have a line up. He should have not... just been mouthing like, five grand, what's five grand? All Everything. my potatoes. <laughs> lost all my potatoes. They all scrabble together everything that they pretty much own of work, yeah. didn't they, to put on this, the evilness of that from Dickhead. And, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> laughing, pointing and laughing at this. I suppose the only thing is to say the freeze frame on this episode again you mentioned that the truncheon's there from the beginning you you should have had the clue that that's how it's going to end and then when it comes back to the exact same scene it's what Richie says yeah. would happen as well fall on them and give them a good damn good kick in right I think the freeze frame on this one again is one of my favourites like whenever they end on a real sort of like great moment of violence with the two of them in the shot yeah so guys what are your particular highlights for this episode definitely for me is the sad Ken announcer that shot is such a cheap way of doing it as well yeah. they didn't get any footage yeah, from race yeah. horses oh, anything yeah. at racing ground it's just them all staring yeah. at well you don't even see the tv that would be fucking front page news <laughs> <laughs> yeah. horse did so badly yeah. 
jockey murdered. So for me, I love in this episode the fact that Richie and Eddie are out in the community and we're seeing them <laughs> surrounded by other people and then interacting with them. And then also just simply the line, what you sucked water in through your eyes. Brilliant, surreal, right. amazing writing. And I would also just like to say the chatting up of the barmaid from Richie. The feminist in me should absolutely be appalled, but I think the part of me that sort of wishes I was Veronica on the other end of that <laughs> As a teenager growing up, like that, that bit for me. I is just... think it kind of makes sense because she's in on it. You know, oh, yeah. there's a lot of stuff yeah. where she overheard things, and the reason she didn't just tell him to fuck and off. She's and... got the power yeah. in that situation, mm-hmm. so yeah. it's totally fine. So I know we might have gone over a couple of these already, but any particular niggles for anyone? The only one I have is that when Rich and Eddie walk into the pub and Spud Gun stands up, he wobbles the set behind him. So you see, <sighs> you, you see the mirror on the wall and the wall just wobbling slightly. Oh, really? What, in the police lineup? No, no. In uh, the pub. In the pub. Particularly favourite sound effects? Mine's got to be Chris Langham throwing up the splashy, splashy mm. noise of the vomit. Okay. Yeah, and the slip on it they do yeah. some great slipping on vom things in series two don't they i suppose even though it's horrible the twisting of the leg right yeah. off i think it's time for a quiz right. where are we up to in terms of the scores i think i'm winning aren't i fuck knows shall we crack straight on have you chosen your fart sounds that's me and this is me okay right. that's good they're distinct question one I advise you to listen to all of this question before buzzing in, by the way. Okay. How many percent proof is Eddie's blood and how much does he get a bottle? It was Paul. 90% proof, £6 a bottle. That is correct. Do I get two points? No. No, that's... Question number two. What accent does Richie adopt to reenact the hordes of steaming argies? German. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Which sport is depicted in photo frames behind the bar in the Lamb and Flag? I think that was Matt. Daffodils. <laughs> uh, football. Can I steal? You can, because that's try? incorrect. Is it boxing? It is boxing. I had no idea. Question number four. What name of Richie's fellow Falklands soldiers is missing from this list? Ginger, Tommy, Spot, Joey, Snowy, Corky, Tucker. Oh, fuck. There is one missing... So is it Johnny? No. Just because it rhymes with Tommy a little bit? I don't know. No, I don't know. It's Tiddles. Fuck! Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. I actually thought you might, because that's Good. the third one. Right. He, he kind of hesitates he, yeah. before he gets Tiddles. Yeah. That's, uh. I guess that's the first one where it's a silly name. Yeah. So that's no points on that one. Question number five. What is just around this corner from Spudgun's house? The Dole Office. Correct. Uh, yes. Question number six. Richie says... Sorry. <laughs> that was very premature. Go on, Richie says. Do you want to guess? Um, that's a very attractive summer frock you have on. He does say that, but that wasn't the answer no. that I'm looking for. Shall well, I read the question again? Again or at question all? Question number six. Richie says that he left his appendix up on Mount William. In what country is Mount William located? England. I'm afraid that's incorrect. Okay, I will guess South Africa. Incorrect. Also, it's Australia. Uh, oh, okay. In Victoria. Which Tesco's does Richie claim to have liberated, Matt? Poor Stanley Tesco's. That is correct. Sorry, what Stanley? What, what, what's the word beginning with P? Well, I thought it was port. Oh, you did say, I thought you yeah. said Paul Stanley. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Who's Paul Stanley? Yeah. <laughs> the owner of Tesco's in <laughs> Port Stanley. Question okay. number eight. Richie says the Falklands conflict lasted 10 long years. Do you know how long it was? 74 days. That is correct. Question nine. What are the odds on Sad Ken? 100 to 1. Right, it's still pretty close. Did you let me have that one? Four to Paul, three to Matt. Oh, final question. Final question. Okay, I thought I was long out of it. All right, okay, now the pressure's on, so I wish I didn't know this. Question 10. What is featured in the photograph Eddie claims to have of Harry the Bastard? Chip and Dow and uh, like a bucket of Swarfiga. Can you can you elaborate? An industrial sized, sized bucket of Swarfiga. Okay, it is drum, but I'm going to give drum. you that. Drum, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that I'm makes, gonna give you it. So that makes four all. We're down to a tiebreaker. How many months was Chris Langham jailed for <laughs> <child> <laughs> offences in August two thousand and seven? Okay. First one to buzz. Okay, I've buzzed. I'm gonna say fourteen months. That's a month for each year of his victim's age. I'm not sure we can include that, but okay. carry on. Okay, my guess is fifteen months or fourteen months of one day. <laughs> Are you happy to go with this as a who's closest kind of question? Yeah, go on. Yeah. 
Paul wins it because it was 10 months and it was actually reduced to six on appeal. Well, I'm glad the final question ended the quiz on a happy note. Yeah. Should I do a different question? <laughs> no. Right, so that was Paul who romped away with that uh, for his very niche knowledge of um, 2007's uh, criminal justice system. Thanks for listening, everyone. As usual, if you have any comments, queries or abuse to email in or tweet at us. Especially abuse. Yeah, we want the abuse. You can catch us at Talking Bottom on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's 11mafakingparade at gmail.com if you'd like to email us. Seems almost old-fashioned now, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, there's no limit to the amount that you can write on that, so, you know, write something proper mental. We're back next week with Holy. Oh, yes, it's the Christmas special. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Happy Christmas for next week. Excellent. See you next week at Christmas. Bye. (laughs) 